This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Jaime Murillo, Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer at Optum Labs. Dr. Murillo, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. It is my pleasure, Laura. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about in terms of some of the things going on there at Optum Labs and what you see as being really innovative in the future. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yes, of course. I have had the privilege of having uh, uh, been exposed to quite a few areas within the healthcare space uh, and within the technology space with a background in computer sciences and and then uh, research in, from basic sciences to outcomes research for quite a few years, practiced cardiology for close to 18 years, uh, very um, uh, extensive work with the healthcare system in uh, various leadership roles in collaboration with um, AI company, um, mostly focused on machine learning. And then over the past four years, joined the United Health Group. Uh, two years have spent at the PAVE side with the United Healthcare, and now the past two years working on the R&D innovation side of the United Health Group. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it's really fascinating to think about your career tra- trajectory um, as a physician, a clinician, then jumping in, you know, to the United Healthcare and, and doing a little bit on that side and now on the Optum Lab side. So when you think about some of the things that you're working on, what do you, would you say you're spending most of your time on today? What issues are front of mind? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, it, it's, it's funny because the challenge is what not to focus on because there are so many areas that are just, um, so exciting in, in terms of evolution. I think the healthcare space in general is just ripe for uh, disruption and innovation. And we've seen that in, in a lot of uh, startup companies and in established companies like ourselves, uh, which uh, are essentially um, doing that combination of uh, what what is best for everyone, uh, especially for our customers, uh, our patients, and what is innovative and disruptive so that we can uh, keep up with those needs. So, but I personally, I've, I've been focused on, on two areas. One is the uh, personal life care uh, side of the story. I, and when I said care, really, I mean health and care, not just health care, uh, because I'm a strong believer in uh, us uh, eventually educating and helping people modify behaviors related to health. But more importantly, there is an opportunity, a massive opportunity for us to deliver more individualized, personalized health care. And um, I think we we can start with doing things like risk stratification, for instance, where we, right now, when a doctor treats a patient, is essentially feeding that person as the result of a research study that showed that something was good for that particular population, but not necessarily in, in every single individual because we have limited data. So, uh, and we have limited ways to uh, evaluate that data. And so that's when, uh, that's where AI and machine learning really come into place. It's, it's the opportunity to collect data beyond just the demographic and clinical side of the story, but also adding social and behavioral determinants of health, patient preferences, uh, geographic location, how they could affect how people behave, even providers' um, behaviors, uh, different local markets. Uh, for instance, the omic side of the story is very exciting. I think we have a, a massive opportunity there to uh, 
establish a more personalized and precision type of medicine. And then combine that into um, analysis that can help us build algorithms that will help provide, again, uh, more personalized care. I think we, we have an opportunity to tell every individual where they are located within the health and the sick spectrum, right? And it is, if you think about human beings, we're all different. It, there are no two individuals that are much alike, so we shouldn't be treated the same way, right? Each 55 million people shouldn't get the same prescription just because that's how we practice. I think it, it's fair to everybody if we have an opportunity to say, this is where you are located within that spectrum, and these are the areas where we can work with you and you can and empower you to work on in order to move that needle more toward the healthy side. So that's, that's an area I think is uh, fascinating because if we get there, then we will be at a point where we can actually predict who is going to develop disease. We're going to be able to predict who's going to progress if they are already sick uh, and what are the areas that we can we can help with. So that's one area that is, is critical. And I mentioned AI and ML, so it's important also for us to not just simply think about device and solution, but also how those solutions are affecting, potentially could affect the, the way we provide care. And, and that's when the responsible use of AI comes into place. And um, here at Optum Labs, we actually making, uh, we have a team dedicated to the responsible use of AI, because when we implement uh, any uh, work, we almost assume that, it's bi that there is a bias intrinsic into it, and we are going to find it and correct it, uh, because that's, that's, that's key. Also, how we can affect uh, privacy uh, in a positive way, of course, and how we also enable the solutions not to interfere with the care that doctors um, provide. In other words, the intent is not to, for AI to replace providers, but are, to, to enable them to make do a better job uh, in a more efficient manner. So that's a, it has own uh, response to the first point, which is the precision medicine. Then the other um, area that I'm working on that is I think is fascinating is how do we solve for the uh, bottleneck in terms of access to care? So right now, everybody knows that if we want to see a doctor, we have to wait a week, month, and so on. And it's not because the doctors are playing golf, it's because the doctors are very busy seeing, seeing patients. So can we change that math that we have in healthcare where one provider treats one patient, and can we enable that provider to treat you know, thousands of patients uh, in a way that um, that is more efficient, that resolves um, or solves the access issue and also that limits or, or, or gives the provider the opportunity to practice at the top of the license. So we're experimenting with some models where we bring care to the community. So now we're talking about moving healthcare from the motor, brick and mortar of a, an office and, or a hospital setting or even a year setting, and, but especially on the chronic disease management side into a community and then under medical supervision, but also provided care provider that can be provided by anybody who's not necessarily highly skilled with the help of technology. So now we're still talking about AI-powered um, algorithms that could help standardize care, reduce disparities, and again, enable doctors to supervise the care of thousands of patients at the same time 
and then free, uh, free, free up time for them to really care for those who have more complex um, or acute conditions uh, and, and for the patient to receive care in a more convenient manner. So building, uh, building that ecosystem. So those are the two areas that I'm uh, very focused on. Um, now for tomorrow, right? This is a two to three year programs uh, in terms of uh, precision medicine and innovative care delivery. That's amazing to hear, you know, and so interesting to think about how artificial intelligence is affecting all aspects of healthcare from yes. the clinical care that's being provided to the operations, making things more efficient and everything. I think my quick question here on that is when you look at artificial intelligence already, it's being implemented in several different aspects of healthcare. And really a lot of healthcare organizations are seeing that as a difference maker and a differentiator in terms of being more efficient and effective. And I'm wondering from your perspective, as you look at these types of programs being built out over the next several years within healthcare, is there anything that um, you're kind of cautious about or, or trying to watch out for just to make sure that it's done correctly? Uh, yeah, so one of them is what I just alluded to, which is the, you know, the responsible use of AI and, and make sure that it doesn't introduce um, unnecessary bias. We have seen examples of that already. The second one is, uh, is what we saw in the past with technology where we had different partial solutions coming into play and then healthcare systems will buy you know, again, these compartmentalized uh, solutions and, and ended up having, you know, 30, 40 different packs in, in their own systems and and then the inability to integrate them on its own. So I would advocate for solutions that are comprehensive, uh, that are not just limited to one specific area, but ideally as encompassing as possible. So that's one thing. And then the other one, which we don't think about very often, uh, if at all, is the area of how can we, uh, now that we're uh, uh, accessing data and uh, collecting data, how we can learn things that we don't know that we would, we just didn't know we were supposed to know. Uh, in, in other words, let me just give you an example to illustrate that case. Um, we have um, people who seek care and we treat them and we said, well, we have 100 patients and 90% of them have their cholesterol control. Great, you know, that's, should we call that success? Um, yes, we should, but uh, here's the but. The but is what is happening to those who are walking around there with high cholesterol, high uh, uncontrolled diabetes or non-diagnosed conditions that are important, it's important for them to be diagnosed. So how much can we learn from how people behave about disease, uh, especially those which are chronic and silent. And is there a way for us to obtain enough data to be able to predict what are the groups that we should proactively seek um, before they develop complications? So that's one area where I think, it's, I think it's fascinating. And the ramification of that one is how we can actually use that data to modify their own behavior. So, um, in terms of caution, as you said, with AI, the, the bias part of uh, the, the uh, data privacy, the uh, compartmentalized solutions, and the um, not necessarily a caution, but just to be have um, open minds about utilizing new data that we can acquire, that we can 
uh, find solutions for which that we're actually not even looking for. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much for going through that. Now, when you look at over the next few years or so, how are you thinking about growth and investments? What types of things are, are you looking at um, at Optum Labs to really make a difference going forward? Uh, yeah, I mean, the work is, is, um, is big ahead of us in general. The, for United Health Group in general, we have um, five pri- organizational priorities. Uh, one is what I just talked about, the uh, care delivery, especially value-based. We, we strongly believe that the future is in value-based care, uh, but also you know, including innovation within that care delivery, as I just mentioned. Um, also, health benefits. Can we? How can we make people's experience a, a better one? How can we be more consumer-centric uh, and customer-obsessive? Uh, I think that's one area where, in healthcare, we have a lot to learn from other industries. Is healthcare should be a an opportunity for people to get access uh, to receive care in a more convenient way? And I think it, that, that's that's where we have an opportunity. So. Uh, for us to become a people's company more than just a healthcare company. Uh, and likewise, for uh, things like pharmacy benefits, um, um, health tech, there's a massive opportunity. We haven't talked about you know, the, in addition to AIML, you know, digital signals and, and technology in, in general. And then, um, as I mentioned, the, the financial uh, technologies, how we, can we think about when you go to a um, if you provide a service or you provide or you sell a product, you you is a transaction that is happens in real time, right? That doesn't happen in healthcare, and and I think uh, our providers serve a better system where uh, things are uh, transacted in, in simultaneously or in real time. So that's an opportunity for us to think about how the providers can benefit from it, but also how people can benefit. You know, they can pay for healthcare services, you know, utilizing you know, cars that are dedicated to, to health or, or that are included into what they do today in their, real, in their daily work. So that's, that's a, you know, we could go on and on and on, but those are kind of the five areas um, uh, that I mentioned. And just to summarize, the health tech, value-based care delivery, uh, health benefits, pharmacy benefits, and financial technology. Got it. That's so helpful to think about. And, you know, I, I love the the focus on the patients and the healthcare consumers, and then, too, looking at value-based care. And from your perspective, do you see value-based care evolving similar to how it's been evolving over the past several years? Or, you know, when we get to kind of uh, the ideal state of, of what value-based care will look like, how do you see it being different from, from where we're at today? That's a great question. And I don't, um, I, I have to say, I don't have the magic answer, but if, if I were to guess, I would say we've been experimenting with value-based care for, I mean, 15 years at least. And the reality is, um, I think we get reaching the point where the growth will be more exponential than, than linear, but also because we are now moving into a more uh, comprehensive space, meaning we, uh, especially CMS has been experimenting, and, and even uh, private payers have been experimenting with uh, pack, you know, packaging and bundle uh, uh, bundle negotiations, with um, condition management, with you know, all, there are all kinds of contracting pieces that are there. 
But the reality is it's just very difficult because one single individual is not just one single condition or one single event. And it's, it's a person. And it's a person that is not just uh, whose health doesn't only depend on purely clinical conditions. So, um, and also the fact that healthcare has been compartmentalized where we have a specialty care in one separate from primary care, separate from hospital uh, care, separate from uh, post-acute care. So can we really get to a, an area where we say, listen, you know, the care is so global, so comprehensive that uh, we think uh, taking, you know, for instance, full risk is worth uh, doing because you can then, is forcing yourself to be in an area where, or in a position of coordinating care uh, across all different players. And so I think getting to the moment where people are getting, you know, full capitation, for instance, uh, is, is an area where uh, people are thinking about it. And, and we haven't done it yet, but can we tie that uh, capitation to outcomes? Because nobody wants to go to a capitation story where, well, the less money was spent, the better, but that meant poor quality of care is, well, capitation um, compounded by uh, good outcomes uh, and, and ideally also, you know, patient um, uh, patients' outcomes and so on. So that's, that's an area where I think um, we're going to start tilting um, fairly quickly and not as slow as we have been over the past 15 years. Just to give you an idea, Optum Care, for instance, um, has um, around 4.2 million patients already in some form of value-based contracting and 2.2 million are are actually full risk uh, capitated. And then this year we ex, uh, projected uh, 500,000 more. And that projection was set to revise it after the first quarter to 600,000, so a little bit higher. So I think that that's the way the needle is moving. That makes so much sense. And, and really, you know, it's an exciting reality to think about if healthcare could get to that space where you're really able to provide the best value for care and patients know that they're getting high quality care at the same time um, would be truly amazing. Now, I'm wondering, before we wrap up our conversation, what are you most excited about right now? Well, uh, as you heard from, you know, from the tone of my voice, it's, this whole area is just absolutely exciting. And I think in general, um, in general, ML and AI have a bright future. I think it's finally here. Uh, some people argue, will argue, they're not ready, they're not ready. Uh, we do a lot of that work here, and I can tell you over the next three to five years, we'll see tremendous progress in, in that area. So definitely excited about that part, uh, how we can make, make big strides in, in not only just de developing clinical solutions, uh, but going beyond the clinical solution itself and just including, as I mentioned several times, a person as a whole. Um, and, and also uh, on the financial administrative enablement uh, provided by, by um, AI in different forms. Um, also, how we can bring care to people where they live, work, and play. It, it, we, for, for decades, we've always been giving people when they seek care can we actually go to where they are and bring care to them and ideally, you know, modify their health behavior um, so that they can become healthier as they grow up and especially with the new generations. I'm also excited about the role of digital signaling, uh, how we can acquire in a passive way, for instance. So we now 
have made a lot of strides uh, with um, active digital acquisition with you know the wristbands and wearables and so on. But I think there will be a point where you know you could be at home and your environment uh, will tell us a lot about how people behave and. Obviously, you will, will have to be careful about disruption of privacy and, and so on, but uh, there's got to be a way for us to find out more about people without uh, 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 their active participation, so in a more passive acquisition of, of signals. And then, um, as I mentioned, uh, the integration of healthcare within that more value base, because that will force people to work together, the specialists in the primary care. I think the primary care has a role, a massive role to play in, in care and um, in an extension of the primary care. It's not just the, the primary care physicians or the nurse practitioners. I think we uh, there's an area where we have a massive opportunity, which is can we uh, enable um, community health workers? So what some place called uh, health promoters or navigators uh, incorporate them as, as we have slowly done with pharmacy and social workers and so on. And that will, along with technology, will allow our primary care provider to be at the center and coordinate care for everyone, but not feeling like they are just um, um, unable to, to do all those tasks because they, they have to keep seeing patients and, and, and so on. So the future is bright. Um, I'm very, very optimistic about uh, healthcare becoming uh, a major revolution, tr truly, um, and especially with the help of AI and ML. And ideally, I think we can see people are more willing to accept that AI ML is here to stay and that will help them, enable them, and facilitate their work and their care as opposed to being disrupted. So lots of uh, good opportunities. And then lastly, this is more futuristic, uh, Laura, but uh, it's something that I'm very um, much looking forward to is how we can redefine what we call disease today. Uh, as you know, we're much, still in a very binary mode where we said either you have diabetes or you don't. Um, can we get to the point where we can start looking at patterns? and? And that's why as we acquire more and more data and we include novel elements like omics, you know, genomics, proteomics, metallomics, and so on, then we can start building patterns. And then that those patterns will allow us to see where every individual is located, as I mentioned, within the healthcare spectrum. But even beyond that, can we move from organ disease or conditions, specific conditions, into say uh, to a person your problem is more on the inflammatory side or yours on the coagulation side or is on the autoimmune side so that is more pathophysiologically driven so that we don't have to say, but we're going to treat the liver and expect that the rest of the organs have been spared, right? So that's, that's an area where I think we, it's not necessarily for, <laughs> for the next year, but, but it's an area we should strive towards uh, because that will uh, allow us to detect disease earlier, treat it earlier, and make people um, live healthier. As our mission says, you know, our, our United is to help people live healthier lives and help the system work better for everyone. That's amazing. And what a great 
motto and picture to live by. Dr. Mario, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a fantastic discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Same here, Laura. Thank you very much for uh, having me.